This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay. Hello, hello. Hello. Okay, good morning, everyone. Shalom Aleichem. Ruchem and welcome, everyone. Hope everybody had an enjoyable flight. We're going to have a wonderful time. Bezos Hashem, it's going to be an amazing experience. Really a very uh, unique opportunity to visit many of these cities, many of these ancient communities, and connect with the history of our people and the many G'dayla Yisrael that graced this country. On, uh, in the airport, we met a group of people, and they asked us, you know, what are, you, are you coming to ski? I said, no, we didn't, come, we didn't come to ski. So what did you come to Italy for? So we came to Italy for Jewish history. Jewish history? There's no Jewish history. I said, do you know that there are a lot of Mikubalim buried in Italy? They said, Mikubalim? We didn't know there were any Rabbanim at all who ever lived in Italy. I said, there were only 1,875 renowned Chachamim who lived in Italy. We're not going to have an opportunity to discuss each and every one of them. Most of them them we're going to try to cover. Uh, Now in our opening session, I I would like to give you a brief overview on Jewish-Italian history. And let's start in the very beginning. We're going to see perhaps this evening that Italian history already began in the time of Yitzchak Avinu. But practically speaking, the Jewish communities began in, during the time of the second Beis HaMikdash, perhaps even at the time of Hanukkah. There were Jews in Italy in the times of the Chorban Bayesheni. And there were notable Tanoim that lived in Italy. Anybody know Tanoim? that lived in Italy. You have Toidois Ish Roimi. Toidois Ish Roimi, the Gemara quotes him. And Rav Masia ben Kharash. These were two Tanoim that lived in Italy. Okay, so now we're up to the 4th century. The Roman Caesar, Constantine, moved his capital to Byzantine in Asia Minor. Now he calls it Constantinople. So now the Roman Empire is divided into two, and it's very interesting the eastern section of the Byzantine Empire until the 10th century ruled over southern Italy. So the southern Italy was ruled over the uh, Constantinople under Byzantine. The Balei HaToysfis exclaimed, Rabbi Tam said, Ki mi bari that Torah actually emanated from the port cities of Italy. So you have, we're going to speak later about the episode of the Arba Shvuyan, the four captives, who they were sent out from Bari, Italy, and from there the Torah of the Rishonim really spread throughout Europe. Many say, Tana Devei Eliyahu was written in Italy. Avois de Reb Nassan, many say were written in it, was written in Italy. Psikta Rabasi, many claim was written in Italy. Halachais Kitsuvais, also, the 11th century. So the Jewish settlement in the north of Spain. Then they come to Rome. You had somebody by the name of Rav Nassan. Rav Nassan Bar Yechiel. We have a lot of Rav Nassans on the trip. Rav Nassan Bar Yechiel, who wrote the Aruch. Rav Menachem Bar Shloimai, who composed the Medrash. Medrash Seichel Toiv. The Kalinimus family in Luca. Now in the 12th century, you have renowned yeshivas. Yeshivas in Mantova, you have in Verona, and then this is very important, you have a great reshine in the 12th century, 
who really changed the observance of halacha in Italy. His name was Rav Yishaya of Trani. Rav Yishaya of Trani. Is that name familiar? Rav Yishaya of Trani. Who's Rav Yishaya of Trani? The Toysus Rid. Now, the Toysus Rid is a very important figure in the history of Italian Jewry. Because later on came the Shibale Haleket. The Shibale Haleket codified the Psakim of the Toysus Rid, where the official... Hanhaga of Italy is predicated on the Psakim of the Toysus Rid, codified by the Shibali Haleket. So if you wanted to know, who do they follow in Italy? Which Rishain do they follow in Italy? They follow the Toysus Rid. Who codified it? The Shibali Haleket. Okay. Now, the Shibali Haleket became such a popular sefer that there were Kitsurim made of the Shibali Haleket. You know, nowadays we have Kitsur Shulchan Arach. In Italy, their kitzer was something called Sefer Tanya. Not to be confused with the Tanya of the Shulchanar Harav. The Sefer Tanya is a kitzer of the Shibale Haleket. The Magen Avram quotes Sefer Tanya. So an example where the Magen Avram quotes Sefer Tanya, Magen Avram tells us that Erev Shabbos Parshas Chukas, they would fast because of the burning of the Talmud in France in 1242, where does that come from? Who records that? It's recorded by the Sefer Tanya. Okay. 14th century. Now there's persecution in Europe, in France, in Germany. Many Ashkenazim, they immigrate to north, northern Italy. And now for the first time you have Ashkenazic communities in Italy, in Venice, in Padua, in Ferrara, in Verona. 15th century. Italy is now divided into states, republics. You have four chief republics. You have Napoli in the south. You have the... And the, the south is ruled by the Spanish king of Aragon. You have the Republic of the Church, the Papal States, which is ruled by the Pope. Rome, Ancona. You have the area, the region of Mantova, with its capital capital of Mantova, Firenze. And then you have the Republic of Venice. Venice was not just a city. Venice was a republic. The Republic of Venice, including Padua. Padua had a world-famous university. One of the earliest universities in the world was in Padua. People from all over Italy came to the University of Padua. Most of the Gedele Yisrael in Italy studied in the university in Padua. Some of them were even professors in the university in Padua. Now during this period, commerce flourished, primarily because Jews went into banking. And the reason why Jews went into banking is because Christians were forbidden to charge interest. Jews were not allowed to charge interest to fellow Jews, but to a Gentile, it's permitted to charge interest. So Jews went into the banking industry, and economically, the Jewish communities flourished. They used their money to support yeshivas, but it caused a lot of animosity among the Christians when we had to uh, harshly collect debts, and the priests inflamed their uh, constituents and their drushas that the Jews were uh, charging usury, and we, we were oppressing them. And now Italy had to make a pivotal decision. They could have taken the route of Spain and they could have expelled their uh, Jewish citizens. 
but very wisely they realized they needed doctors, they needed bankers, they needed financiers, they needed the tax money, and they decided to allow the Jews to remain. But in most cities in Italy, the Jews were relegated to the ghetto. There's one exception, okay? If you take anything out of this trip, there was one city in Italy where they did not relegate the Jews to the ghetto. And this city became the most successful city in, in Italy in terms of an economic center, in terms of printing, in terms of the flourishing of Torah. And that was Lavarno. Lavarno was the one city where there were no ghettos. So now it's the 16th century. And there's a tremendous Spanish influx of Jews. They come primarily to Napoli. Jews come to Napoli and then they're chased out in 1540. A big dispute arose among two printing presses. We're going to talk about uh, the printing press, which were uh, the well-known printing presses. You had Cincino, not to be confused with the Cincino Gemara that you used in your youth in order to pass your Gemara test. That's not what we're referring to. The Cincino Press was the first press that published Gemaras. I believe they published 23 Mesechdois. Now, a little trivia. What year was the first year the Gemara was published? It was published by Cincino. At the end of the 15th century. 1483. Okay, everyone, never forget this. The first Gemara, says the Chida, was published in 1483, and the Chida saw it. How do you remember that? Gematria Gemara, the Chida says. The numerical value of Gemara is 1483. It's 243. Gemara is 243. And, you know, to translate a uh, Jewish date into the English, a secular date, you add the year 1240. So Gemara plus 1240 is 1483. The very first Gemara was published in 1483. I just saw that uh, over the weekend. I was very excited to see that. The Chida doesn't even make a big deal about it. Actually, you know, in the Shem HaGadolim of the Chida, he has an entry of all the G'dayla Yisrael who ever lived. We've been speaking about the Shem HaGadolim lately. And he has an entry, and he has a listing of all the Svarim that were ever published. I didn't expect that one of the Svarim published was called Gemara. And the Chida has an entry on Gemara. And in the entry on Gemara, he talks about Sincino, the Sincino Press. And he spoke about, he speaks about the first Gemara that was published in the year Gemara. So that didn't make my top 10 list of uh, the 10 greatest highlights in the Shem HaGdolem. But there'll be a, maybe a second series that will, be, that will be in the list. Okay. So a dispute arose between two printing presses in Venice. And uh, the Talmud Bavli was accused of containing uh, information that was uh, considered heretical. And the Pope ordered to burn all the Gemaras in the city. Now you can imagine that those who were charged with carrying out the burning of the Talmud, they were not necessarily erudite scholars who could be mavchin between a, a Bavli and a Yushalmi and a Tur and a Rambam and a Beis Yosef. So they, in many cases, they just burnt any storm that they got their hands on. Okay, in the 17th century, restrictions continue. Jews in all the big cities, they're moved to the ghetto. As we mentioned, there's only one exception. Lavarno in the Tuscany region near Pisa. 
the Duke decided that if he's going to build up an economic center, he has to give Jews equality. He made the ports duty-free. Moranos would not be interrogated. All the Moranos came to Livarno. Livarno's success was immediate. All the great minds, all the great Jews moved to Livarno. It became an economic center of commerce, of publishing, of yeshivas. All the Anusim came to Livarno from Spain, from Portugal. 18th century. Very difficult economic times in Italy. Of course, the Jews were blamed. There was tremendous public pressure to chase the Jews out. Again, Livarno is the only city that didn't have restrictions. So Venice, Padua, Reggio, Rome, that was pretty much the end of the success of those cities. Now in Italy, in the 18th century, it's just Livarno. And some of the dukes of the various cities, they look at their own cities that had plummeted, that were in depression, that were in shambles, and they look at Livorno. Livorno was a world center of commerce. And they, they start to reevaluate how they need to treat the Jews. 18th century. Part of Italy is conquered by Austria. But it did not gain the Jews new liberty. Until Napoleon. Napoleon conquered. The Jews were given equality. And with the downfall of Napoleon, the situation reverted back to a, a state of persecution. Until what year? When Italy was uh, united in 1861, and then that caused a, tradition, uh, a transition, even though the Jewish people were given equality, nevertheless, it greatly affected the yeshivas in Italy, because now the yeshivas transitioned into more of a academic and uh, a style of study, and that is, in a certain sense, a, a general overview of Jewish-Italian history, just by way of introduction. And Bezos Hashem will uh, dig into many of these time periods and individuals as we uh, come along. I just want to mention the halachic custom of it in Italy was originally they followed the, the Rambam. And then they followed the rulings of the Taisus Rid, Rabbi Shai of Trani. That is until the Ashkenazim came. And the Ashkenazim developed their own Kehillahs. And then Jews came to Italy from Tunis. And the Jews from Tunis, or Jews from North Africa, that came to Italy, or, or specifically Livarno, they're called Ma'arviyim. Ma'arviyim. Ma'arviyim are Jews from North Africa, or Tunis, that came to Italy. In Italy, the Jews spoke three primary languages. The Ashkenazim spoke Yiddish. The Italians spoke Italian. And the Spaniards spoke Spanish until uh, pretty much Italian dominated. Uh, so we mentioned that originally they followed the Rambam, then the Toysus Rid, which was codified by the Shibale Haleket, and that is until the printing press. And the printing press published and disseminated many, many volumes and editions of the tour. And when the tour came out, the tour became very popular, um, especially in the first editions of the, of the tour by 
Daniel Bamberg, the second editions by in the Justinian tour. And we're going to talk about the difference in the, between the first and second editions of the Gemara and the Torah. We'll take a break now and we'll come back. We'll talk about the Renaissance. Okay. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.